Hey, it's Kim. Thanks for joining us for this Deepish Thoughts. We'll be back with another full episode of Scene of the Crime next week. Since the governor issued this mandatory quarantine order, things have changed a lot. But we don't want to let that slow us down. Instead, we're going to use this unexpected opportunity to exit our comfort zone and explore some new possibilities. So if you haven't already, find us on Facebook and give us a follow because we're going to do what we hope is the first of many Facebook Lives next week on Tuesday, April 7th at 6 p.m. Join Carolyn and I for the release of our newest episode and our first Facebook Live with you. We're going to be talking about the mysterious disappearance of Susan Powell in 2009 and all the twists and turns that case has taken since then, from the family history of husband and suspect Josh Powell to the terribly violent murder of Susan's two little boys, Charlie and Brayden, three years later. We're going to be talking about it all, taking your questions and comments on Facebook Live. So put it on your calendar now, Tuesday, April 7th, 6 p.m. and follow Scene of the Crime on Facebook. And thanks for your support. Deepish Thoughts with Kim and Carolyn. So Kim, I wanted to take the reins this week in our Deepish Thoughts segment. Seriously stressing the ish in the deepish? It's kind of nice to take a break from murder and mayhem to something on the lighter side, wouldn't you say? Yes. Okay. So I was inspired by a Facebook memory. A while back, I had a column where I hosted a cooking series. And you went from cooking to murder. It's such a natural transition. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Only I could do that, right? Okay. So I would go around the Pacific Northwest, (laughs) like we do. Something stayed the same. (laughs) Shooting cooking videos with chefs and locals. Locals, and then write about the experience and share the recipe. So the memory that popped up in my Facebook feed was my time at the Berliner, um, which is a local club in Renton, where I learned how to make their favorite dish. The meat and potatoes in the German world, right? Well, yeah, we're doing schnitzel and a, uh, a warm potato salad or kartoffel salad. So it's the hot German potato It's a hot German potato salad. You know what? It was so fun doing that cooking show. You know those Facebook memories, though? That one that popped up can, can be pleasant, and it was really fun going back to my time at the Berliner. But like Janis Joplin so aptly crooned, take a little piece of my heart now, baby, as in this Facebook memory from eight years ago when my kids and I went to cook with one of the most famous chefs in Seattle, Chef Tom Douglas. What I'm doing with my kids is getting them engaged in as many different things as possible. And one of those things is cooking. We love to cook together and we love to meet interesting people who love cooking with kids too. And one of those people is Chef Tom Douglas. Now it's gonna get kind of bloody. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. Okay. He took time out of his busy schedule to cook with us. We brought him a rainbow trout that was locally caught. This is my normal size trout. Look what you guys caught. You know, did you weigh it when you were there? Yes, yeah, seven and a half pounds. Seven, I've never seen a trout seven and a half pounds big. So anyway, I mean, it was a great cooking experience and we ended up you know, we brought this monster-sized trout from this ra- from this trout farm, and it probably had an extra eye or something. <laughs> <laughs> but he was such a good sport, and these foodie memories swirling in my head. I thought it would be fun for this deepish thoughts to take a little light-hearted detour from our regular programming with a question: What food do you love so much that you might be willing to commit a crime for? 
Oh, so I'll start off with a few local examples to get your mind revving up. And it'd be fun to get listeners responses, yeah. too. I'll call these little mini stories a true crime amuse-bouche, which is a French term. Do you know what that means? Is it like a, um, not like a fruit salad. It's like a. <laughs> it, the term literally means mouth amuser. It's a beautiful little appetizer plate. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant, but like. I've if never been to a restaurant. Well, <laughs> then, then you've never tried an amuse muse. No, it's like if you're like somebody special and you go into the restaurant and the chef will kind of bring the, these little, he'll make them special for you. It's like a fancy appetizer. It's like, yes, but it won't be on the menu and it's kind of like a show off, like this way to the big tent kind of a thing yeah, I've never been that special yeah. <laughs> well I'm gonna be serving you up some little mini crimes so Ooh. the first crime in our Seattle amuse-bouche comes via the SPD blotter and this was back in 2019 and it all started off so humdrum a 44 year old man breaks into the upper floor of a financial office in downtown Seattle. Now, what he doesn't know is that an employee is there and sees him. And this employee, smart, hides out and, ta- and, and takes watch from a hidden perch. And the burglar starts, you know, wiggling office doors until one finally gives. And then once inside the office, the burglar just from the beginning is kind of an odd duck. He rearranges a painting in the room. And then this is where the crime takes a turn to the land of Willy Wonka because the burglar, he lays eyes on a glass bowl on a desk filled with gourmet chocolate. The thief gobbles down the chocolate. That chocolate, by the way, is later valued at $200. He then proceeds to take off his shoes, watch, and jacket, lays down for a nap on a couch in a dark (laughs) office in a chocolate coma. Obviously, the employee hiding calls the police. He was later arrested. (laughs) So had he not gone for those $200 chocolates, he might have gotten off scot-free. Well, he, yeah, I mean, he just, I guess he was in a chocolate-induced coma, but it's kind of funny to think that it's just like, what a random thing, you know, he goes in. He couldn't resist. (laughs) So that was one that I found that I thought was kind of fun. This one, I totally could not relate to, but maybe somebody, maybe our audience members, maybe you will relate to this. If you're going to commit a crime for food, would spam be the thing that you choose? Um, no. <clears throat> so have you ever tried spam? I've actually never you tried know, it before. I don't think I have, which I'm I'm amazed that I haven't because I have had friends who really, really enjoy it. Yeah. But I don't think I have. I think we need to try it because I've never tried it before too, but apparently these folks, according to a piece in Seattle Met Magazine, a spam saga began when employees noticed a man filling a shopping cart full of the famous tinned meat. Now, employees were already on high alert because this wasn't the first time that they had to deal with massive quantities of spam being stolen from their shelves. What? Several weeks earlier, a group of young men had stolen a bunch of spam from the store. So when the lone guy starts loading up a cart, they were tracking him from the beginning. (laughs) And when he bolted for the parking lot, they followed him out of the store where they spotted him along with several other men and now I don't know if these were the same same group, but it, it sounds like it was the same group and they came back again. This time, instead of a bunch of guys going in, it was just one and then he bolted for out the door and the employees spotted him and along with these other guys, you know, loading the spam into the Chevy Suburban, an employee was like, oh, no, you don't and started pulling the cart away. 
And that's where this becomes a little Keystone Cops. The men then jump into the Chevy Suburban. And another employee parked the shopping cart of Spam behind the Suburban to try to box the car in. But the driver backed up, knocked the cart into the employee and drove off, leaving one of their crew in the lurch. The guy's running, trying to catch up with the Suburban. The employees give chase. They ended up like a fight breaks out. They pin this guy down. Anyway, needless to say that the guy was booked into jail and the police report says the thieves made away with just over $200 in spam. (laughs) Now, I'm curious, did they eat the spam? Do you sell the spam on the black market? Like, is there a black market for spam? You know what? I have no idea. I haven't even eaten the product. I think that there's a lot of people like that really, really enjoy spam. And I think that there is a cuisine and culture behind you know and i think it's a hawaiian culture yeah it's a hawaiian thing that yeah i've just never tried it but it makes me want to try it because if it's worth stealing it's it, maybe who knows maybe i'm, maybe I'm missing a out on something stunt by the spam company uh i think that might be a bit of what what would be the just what, that it's so it's, good oh. that people like can't get enough of it they <laughs> yeah. have to go steal it yeah it's so good you got it you'd want to steal it yeah okay so then the last little story that I have now, I don't know if you remember this, but this was in 2010 and this was a seriously embarrassing headline for the new Seattle Seahawk Golden Tate. And according to the Seattle Times, I totally remember this story. He was a new Seahawk. He and a friend were coming home late. It was 3 a.m. on a Saturday and he lived in an apartment building that had a Top Pot Donuts. Now, for those of you who don't live in Seattle and the surrounding areas, Top Pot are just like the bomb, like donut, like the Krispy Kreme they, of yes, Seattle. Yes, I mean, but they are so bully me. I know all about Top Pot too much. Anyway, Golden Tate and his friend, they come home late. They smelled something you just can't easily unsmell: the delectable wafting odor of freshly fried maple bars and that smell was so irresistible that golden and his buddy saw that a door had been propped open to the donut shop and they went in and they snagged a few of those freshly baked maple bars problem was that the store didn't open for like four hours (laughs) so you know as was protocol with the company they called the police and the uh, seahawks rookie was issued a warning by bellevue police for eating maple bars But this is why I love Coach Pete Carroll, because in the Seattle Times piece, he was like, yeah, they talked about, you know, how he probably shouldn't do that. And it wasn't the right move. And Golden Tate was like, obviously super embarrassed and like, you know, obviously it was a rookie mistake. I wish I would have never done that. I'm so embarrassed. But Pete Carroll was like, quote, I do understand the allure of maple bars. And I'm like... (laughs) I do too. I mean, maple bars are my, you know, addiction. I so love- what is the food that you would commit a crime for? Well, I'm feeling like the maple bars are pretty dang really? close up there. I love maple. Yeah, I'm a donut girl. Huh. I mean, I guess I feel like they're so available that like mm-hmm. it wouldn't be my go to not because I don't love them, but because it's like I could kind of get those anywhere, anytime. Yeah. I think the thing that I would commit a crime for. Look at your whole body expression. Your I'm salivating. Like, I know. Salivating. I can't wait to hear. Would be in and out. In Oh, in and out in particular, I love a couple of things that are not on the menu at in and out. Oh, because you are a special customer. Oh, You're man. in a mousse-bouge at the In-N-Out. Yes. So if you go to the In-N-Out, order a grilled cheese. 
which is the closest thing to a burger with no meat. Like it literally tastes like a like a cheeseburger, mm-hmm. but there's no meat in it. Did you eat it's it amazing. as a child? Did you eat it I mean, as a teen? growing up? I grew up in Southern California, well, so because my husband Paul is exactly the same way. Like he in likes and the out. grilled cheese. Well, not the grilled cheese, but okay. In and Out. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. In and, and Out's amazing. And then get the get the um, animal fries. Okay. Which is where they put a whole bunch of extra crap on the fries that you know it's not on the menu, but it's well, super well, like good. Like what? What else? Do they um, they have the special dressing that they put on their burgers. They put that on the fries, and they put grilled onions, and mm. it's ooh, so good. Okay. Well, I love. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I just like the simple. That are done so well and right. remind you of just like, yeah, when like you have Like the In-N-Out this. grilled cheese. Exactly. Just <laughs> to perfection. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but they get like the perfect <clears throat> lettuce and like the perfect bun and just, it's, yes. Well, it's been a nice diversion to talk about fun little, little crimes. And I would love to hear, you know, listeners, let us know what would you be willing to commit a, what type of food would you be willing to commit a crime for? Maybe you can share some of those food crimes that you'd be willing to commit on our Facebook Live. Don't forget, Tuesday, April 7th, 6 p.m., find Scene of the Crime on Facebook. Give us a follow, and we'll see you next week.